Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 100 of the Brown Vegan Podcast. Oh my goodness. I can't believe we're at 100. So much that I look forward to with this podcast going forward. So... I'm Monique, if you're new, thank you for being here. And shout out to all the people who've been rocking with me for all of these years. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope that all of the previous episodes are helpful and that we can continue to build on this going forward. So if you don't know, I started this podcast at the end of 2013 as a way to have more conversations with vegans of color because I didn't feel like I was seeing a whole lot of that out. Uh, I feel like Instagram was probably just getting started when I, well, Instagram was probably around maybe, but it wasn't, it wasn't popping like it is now. And I didn't really feel like I saw enough vegans, especially vegans of color. So I wanted to be able to start this show to talk about that. Over the years though, I feel like the show has evolved. I just talk to whoever I'm interested in at this point, people who I feel like will bring uh, great tips and information and just insight on how to start their journeys into vegan life, their experiences, as well as bringing on people who are holistic practitioners and vegan entrepreneurship. I love talking about all of those different things on the show. So my goal is just to make it bigger and better. And um, I'm just excited to see what comes from the next 100 episodes. (laughs) That sounds like so long from now, but uh, because it took me so long to get to this episode. But yeah, I'm sure I have a feeling that the next 100 episodes will be a little faster. (laughs) So for this episode, for episode 100, I'm doing something very, very different. I am actually being interviewed and I'm having a conversation with Nori Ponsel, who was on episode 95. If you haven't listened, definitely go check that out. She is a life coach, has an amazing spirit, and I just instantly felt connected to her even before we did our podcast interview together. So I reached out to Nori and said, you know, and asked her, would she be willing to come on and just guide the conversation in episode 100 so that I can share some things that I've never shared before and... uh I'm a little nervous. I tried not to edit too much out of the conversation that we had, but when I listened to it that first time, I was a little nervous and I actually considered not posting this because I felt like it was a little too personal, selling all of my business. And it's just very uncomfortable to do that. But the goal is to just give myself a clean slate and to help other people who may be struggling with this as well to let you know that you're not alone. And so we started off by talking about my vegan journey, how I was able to start this journey back in 2010. I can't believe it's 2019 already, but how we how I started my journey. We talked about my family life. We also talked about uh, my separation from my husband and how difficult that was for me last year, 2018, and just a lot of things that have been going on in my life that I have not been of taking action on and how it has caused my life to be not anywhere near where I want it to be. 
because I haven't been making the best decisions. And, and that also includes me eating animal products last year. I ate seafood, dairy. Sometimes I had food that had eggs in it. And I just had moments that I wasn't where I wanted to be in my vegan journey. And so I just think it's important for me to talk about that. And this isn't to say that I don't want to be a vegan anymore. In fact, if anything, it helped strengthen my desire to be a vegan. I really think that this lifestyle is important and I want to continue. The decisions that I had with food had nothing to do with veganism as a whole. It had everything to do with what was going on in my personal life. So um, I don't know. I just wanted to share this because I just have a feeling that I'm not alone. And I have a feeling that other people may also be dealing with this or coming out of it. And I just want to be able to have a clean slate and just discuss these things. If you are someone who isn't vegan, I know it may sound kind of strange. It's like, why does it matter that I wasn't vegan? But uh, the truth is, I started this journey to protest factory farming, to protect the environment. So I feel like it's important for me to talk about the fact that it wasn't that great for me last year. And in fact, I would say 2018 was probably one of the hardest years I've had my whole in my whole life. So in order to go where I want to go in my life and in my journey, um, I just think it's important that I share this. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that. I want to mention this. We recorded this back in February and uh, some things have happened in a positive way since then, but I still wanted to go ahead and put this out. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it. You ready? Yes. Okay. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we meet um, again. <laughs> yes, we do. In a great way, though. I mean, people had so many great results from the last episode. I got a lot from the last episode. And even in our conversations, that conversation we had before we even recorded was so helpful for me. And I was like, you know what? I feel so comfortable with you. I have to have you back on the show to oh uh, help me <laughs> guide <you>. my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me back. I really appreciate it. But this is not about me. This episode is not about me. It's all about you. And I'm so excited and, and honored and grateful that, that you, that you wanted to go on this ride with me. Yes. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing this. Awesome. So tell me first, um, I don't know how much the listeners know so far about what you want to do today. Do you want to tell them what you want to do today? Yes. I want to share some of my struggles and some of the things that have been going on in my life that I haven't really talked a lot about. And the goal of that is to liberate me so that I can grow from that. And uh, to also let people know that if it's you feel like you're alone in this, you're not alone in this. This is my struggle as well. So yeah, wherever you want to start with that. <laughs> I, love, I love the idea of a good heart to heart. You know, I feel like when we are on the other side of the mic or when we're working on whatever projects we're working on, it can be really hard for the people that receive it or listen to us to really get a picture of what it's like to be on our side mm -hmm. and what it's like to navigate what we're dealing with. Um, and most people think that we're great at it. Most people are like, oh, you, you're, you're so good. You already got this figured out. And, and this is part that we haven't, right? Right. Um, I love that you want to share that. So where do you want to start? <sighs> I don't know. I, okay. I have no idea because I try not to really think about it. I just kind of like you, I took your advice from when we spoke last time and just 
I'm just going to allow the conversation to flow. So mm-hmm. I have no idea where to start, okay. <laughs> which is why I wanted you here to kind of guide it. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say girl when I was five years old. I didn't want to say <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand because it's like, where do I begin to unpeel these layers, right? And to right. <laughs> show you guys what's going on. So maybe we can start at why did you decide to become vegan? Um, first of all, I want to start off by saying that I had no intentions of ever being a vegan. I thought that vegans were crazy because I grew up near PETA and mm. I would see them throw paint on people and I would see them fight and it was just a mess. And so I thought vegans were crazy. I never wanted to be associated with that. And I also thought that vegans were angry because they didn't eat. Listen, because they didn't eat. I've heard that. I've heard that on the internet. <laughs> hungry. They're hungry, right? So that's why they didn't want to eat. I mean, that's why they were so angry. But um, I read a book called Sister Vegan back in 2010. It was April 2010. And it was the first time that I saw veganism resonate for me as a woman of color. Like everything, images of veganism before that point were just usually white women. Maybe they made a little bit more than an average person. And it just didn't look like anything that related to me. And it was the first time that I was able to hear stories and read stories from women from all walks of life of color that decided to become vegan. And so I wanted to do it for ethical reasons, to protest factory farming, um, for environmental reasons, and also for health reasons, even though at the time health wasn't necessarily at the top of the of that ladder. It was more so for ethics. I wanted to protest factory farming. And I also didn't think that meat and dairy was necessary. So um, that's why I decided to become a vegan in those early days. And and this came from reading that book. Yes, it did. And maybe the seed had already been planted because prior to that, in 2008, I read a book called um, Skinny Bitch. And it was actually the first book that I read about veganism, but mm. also, and, and at the time, so Nori, I went vegan for like two weeks because <laughs> I wait, read that wait. book and I was like traumatized. I was like, oh my God, you know, I can't, I can't eat animal products anymore. And, and that's not to be confused with Skinny Bitches Are Evil by Monique. She no, no, not, not that. <laughs> no, not that one. Not that. <laughs> this is a book. <laughs> this is okay. two women. Even though, look, even though they use the same language as Monique in that book, um, it wasn't, it was not the same thing. But when I read that book, I was like, oh, okay, you know, veganism seems cool. You know, uh, I don't know when it became to like actually doing it. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I can actually do this. I was a vegan for two weeks after reading it, but it was because I didn't know what to eat. So that Mm -hmm. was it. It was by default. I was like Mm -hmm. traumatized. And uh, I decided at that point to become a vegetarian. But it wasn't until I read uh, Sister Vegan by Breeze Harper that I decided to become a vegan in Mm -hmm. 2010. So it was definitely about ethics. I think initially my, my thought process about being vegan was more so, I guess, in a little bit of vanity because I did want to be a skinny bitch, even though I don't want to be a skinny bitch anymore. Back then, I kind of wanted to be Mm -hmm. a skinny bitch. So it might have been more vanity initially, Mm -hmm. maybe, sort of, kind of, but then it became uh, a conviction. It was like ethics, like, okay, I have to be vegan because um, this is just the right thing to do for not only myself and my family, but just for the planet, for other animals. Like I didn't want to contribute to the torture um, mm-hmm. of other of other living beings. So that was the initial <laughs> start of veganism for me. So you read this book and you're like, I'm going to do this. How were the first 30 days? <laughs> Let me think. 
Um, it was a mixture of excitement because it was a new journey and also confusion because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm. And also it was a lot of pushback from my family, my husband and my three kids, because they were just like, mm, yeah, we're not doing this. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of mixed feelings, but it was also this excitement because I felt like, oh my gosh, I know this information. I spent more time researching, watching documentaries, experimenting in the kitchen, all of those things. So it was excitement. It was like excitement and also kind of, you know, like some resistance from my family. So Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. confusion about like what we can eat in a way that was satisfying because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be what I thought vegans were or just somebody who eats salad because that's just not who I am. I love to eat. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not eating just salad. That's not going to work for me long term. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of excitement and just learning this new information and, you know, a lot of those early feelings, I'm sure that other vegans can relate to how this looks when you first start. So yeah. I can relate to that. And I'm not vegan, but I have done vegan um, lifestyle for on and off. Like I'll do six months or three months or whatever. I'm in the mood for, and then I just return to eating meat or um, seafood or whatnot. So I can definitely relate to the idea of people giving that pushback. Like even when my mom, I told her I was going to stop eating like white rice, or even when I told her I was going to eat anymore, like red meat or, and I haven't eaten pork in like decades at this point now she was really like why like she couldn't really understand why that was important to me so Mm -hmm. I totally understand the family pushback and the lack of understanding from their perspective right because it's not what they want tell me a little bit about once you decide I'm gonna do this the first 30 days are going and the family's like somebody's going a little crazy (laughs) how did the family like turn around did they ever turn around and if so how did that happen yeah. So the first, you know, the the first, I would say six months, because when I say six months, people were like, that's a long time. <laughs> but the first six months, I feel like we're just kind of, uh, I felt like it was kind of hellish. Like it, it would be, <laughs> it was kind of hellish, you know, because the thing is I ha- was a vegetarian before I decided to become a vegan. So they were used to me making separate meals. Or I would eat all of the side dishes and then they would eat whatever. They would eat the whole meal. So they were Mm -hmm. used to my change not affecting them. So I think that was one of the biggest hurdles. It was just like they felt like I was forcing forcing this on them. And in Mm -hmm. my mind, I didn't feel like I was forcing it. I just was going to make one meal. That's what I was thinking. It wasn't like, you eat this. It's like, listen, I'm not not a short order cook. I'm not making multiple meals. I don't want to cook meat anymore. Mm -hmm. So- what can I do to make this something that you can do long term? And that's how I was mm-hmm. looking at it. And, but in retrospect, it's probably like I could see why it looks like I'm forcing it on you because I know I was going to ask you, like, yeah. do you now see how you really were actually forcing it on them, though? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In retrospect, you know, but at the time, I didn't really see it like that. It was just like, listen, I'm making this one meal and right. you, you know, kind of attitude. Right. And so right. it took about six months to, I guess, get everyone on board with it. Uh, when I say that, I mean, they weren't complaining as much about it because what I did, yeah, what I did is during that six months, I made sure, I mean, I was exhausted <laughs> mentally, like physically from this, but I made sure that I spent a lot of time testing recipes, making some of their favorite meals vegan. Like I was compromising. I didn't feel like everything had, well, I thought it was a compromise because maybe they don't see it that way, but in my mind mm-hmm. it was. Um, I was like, okay, 
maybe, you know, they like spaghetti. So I'll make a vegan version. It's like very familiar. They like chicken nuggets. They like this, they like that. And so I would just make vegan versions of their favorite meals so that they didn't feel like they were losing out. They like ice cream. Okay, we'll eat the vegan ice cream. We'll do this. We'll try different brands. We'll try different recipes. So I did a lot of that. And that kind of got everybody um, at least interested and mm-hmm. they weren't complaining as much. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's how I looked at it. But did you spend yeah. a lot of time educating your family too about this transition and, and why it was important to them as individuals to eat foods that were healthier for them and, and for them as a family? Did you spend any time doing that? I did. Like we would, uh, my kids were younger at that time. I mean, I have teenagers now, but they were a lot younger. So we would read books, you know, they were like kind of like children's books about veganism, Mm -hmm. Uh, watch documentaries. I would get them involved with cooking. I would have talked to them about why I was doing it. I didn't necessarily tell them why they should do it, but I did want them to know why I thought it was important so that Mm -hmm. it was some type of background on it. And maybe, like I said, I mean, like in retrospect, I was pushy, but it didn't feel pushy when I was doing it. It didn't feel pushy. Yeah, because you were into it. You were like, right. this is, and it's in, in, from your perspective, you're also like, this is good for us. So like yes. we are eating healthier food. We are prepping food in a healthier way. You're preserving the nutrients. We, we know these practices on how meat is handled. It's not safe for us. Like in, from your perspective, it's like, why wouldn't we make this transition? Absolutely. And from their perspective is mom has gone mad, wife is going insane, and now we can't have chicken in the house. Like, <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. I didn't try to like put like put the health thing, push that on them too much though, because mm. I know when I was a kid, I didn't give a damn about no health. <laughs> I understand that. I understand. And I think I was interested in hearing about that because as people go through the journey of veganism and as they have like children and partners and they're looking for ways and strategies to, to help them come on board or at least to see the importance of it, there are so many angles that we can do that, right? So having an understanding of how you were able to do that and how you were able to get your family on board, would you say they're fully 100% on board now? Um, no, um, because it's really? interesting. No, okay. First of all, um. I think that the the biggest difference is that they're teenagers now. So they're out with their friends. They're at my, my two older kids. Well, my two younger kids play sports. Um, they're always doing something related to school. Um, they're eating out with their friends. So I, it's not that they're not interested, but they definitely eat a lot of food that's not vegan as much as they okay. did. It was weird because we went through the stage where nobody cared and then everybody was on board. And now mm-hmm. we're back to nobody cares again because they're teenagers. And right. so I don't even really stress it anymore. I come from a very humbling place these days about everything mm-hmm. because of my own situations with food and my own issues with food. So I don't stress them about it. However, I do try to make sure that I have a lot of vegan options in the house for them to eat. And when I make dinner, they eat vegan dinners and it's cool. And there's not really any... Uh, like push back um, like before because I think mm-hmm. I come from it from a better place like I know what the other side looks like because <laughs> right, right. life has humbled the hell out of me <laughs> so mm-hmm. I um, don't necessarily push it on them the same way so I'm sure that makes a big difference but when they go out with their friends and they do everything um, my oldest son was at Buffalo Wild Wings last week you know what I mean it's just like, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm just keeping I mean it is what it is like I don't 
make him feel bad about mm-hmm. his decisions. I just try to make sure that I have plenty of options here for him. Um, vegan junk food and, and healthy food as well, like lots of fresh fruit. We'll have cookies. We'll have ice cream. We'll have other things. And they're so used to eating this way overall that, I mean, it's just, we're just flowing. <laughs> we're just flowing these days. So, yeah. What about husband? How does he feel? Because I think that with the kids, it's a little bit easier because they are kids. They like the older they get, obviously, there are more challenges like you're talking about with your teenage boys. Um, but with the partner, it's a much harder because this is a grown person. And they're like, you're not about to tell me what to eat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, like back in the day, he was like, um, yeah, that sounds really good. I'm happy for you. But uh, yeah, we gonna still <laughs> eat chicken. Like, are you going to still make steak? Like, <laughs> That's how it looked back then. But he actually was on board a lot faster than the kids, which was great because the only thing I asked my husband to do back then was I just said, if you don't want to do something about this, please don't say it in front of them. Like talk to me separate because I, I knew mm. that my kids, because I knew, you know, growing up in my old household as a kid, they we kids feed off of like with yeah. So I was like, look, talk to me privately. If it's something that you don't like or whatever, don't do it in front of them because they're going to, oh, when they get that one up, it's, it's over. So he was always on board with it because his thing was just like, is the food good? You know, and, and I think that's probably relatable to a lot of people. Like, is the food good? I don't really care right. as long as it's good. Yeah. Right, right. So um, these days uh, we don't live together right now. So uh, when I talk to him, because the kids go over to his house every Friday night. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to him about this, he, he'd be, Nora, he'd be up in there cooking chicken breasts and stuff. And just, <laughs> yeah, in but his he, house. He's doing what he wants. In his right, house. exactly. So he right. eats that kind of stuff. But um, he definitely loves vegan food. And sometimes when I make food, I'll send like enough over for the kids to eat so that he doesn't have to worry about cooking for them. And he eats that food and he's like, oh yeah, you thanks for sending over the chili. I ate that, <laughs> you know? So he, <laughs> it's like whatever works for him. But um, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. That's interesting. So yeah. now you are in this. So when you begin your journey, you had this family, this family structure where, you know, you were living together, we're trying to figure things out together and you were like, I'm going to give my heart and soul into this and begin figuring out how we can all go on this journey together. And now, how long have you been vegan now? Mm, it's what, eight years? Eight or nine. Is it eight, eight or nine? In April, yeah. Did you at any nine. point feel like, I got to figure it out. I'm good now. Yes. When was the first time you felt like that? It was probably like a year in where I, what I felt like, okay. Okay. Um, I'm comfortable enough. And I, I think what I mean, what that means is I had like a routine at that point. So like a year, mm-hmm. year in, so I knew which brands were vegan. I knew like when I went grocery shopping, I pretty much went to the same store. I knew where to find recipes, that type of comfort. So mm-hmm. I would say that was probably about a year in mm-hmm. that I felt like that. Not three years, three years is probably when I was like a little too comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Uh, I wasn't being proactive. I got really comfortable, really lazy, a lot of shortcuts, not researching, not learning anything new. It was just kind of like, yeah, I already know, whatever kind of Mm -hmm. attitude. And this is just my life. And I'm not going to like stress about it because there was a time in my journey where I felt like I was stressing about everything Mm -hmm. and it was making me sad. It was making me um, never feeling like I was doing it right or good enough. 
far as feeling comfortable with the cooking and everything, I was probably about a year in. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you when you said that I wasn't, I wasn't doing it right? I wasn't doing it in the good way. How did you define that at that time? I was never healthy enough. Mm. Never like healthy enough. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just like this, <laughs> this unfortunate cycle. And then I, I just got a little frustrated because I felt like my grocery bill was always so high. And I, mm-hmm. cause you know, we were a family at the time, we were a family of five and it's just like, Gee. Give me an example of a not healthy enough situation. Mm, let's see. Eating processed foods, mm. um, you know, eating things in a package out of, out of convenience, laziness, mm-hmm. feeling like I don't have any energy to do anything. So I just wanted to make sure something was on the table for them. So it was so easy for me to grab packaged foods that I can just put in the oven so I didn't have to think about it too much. And I felt like well, at least it's vegan, but I know that it wasn't probably necessarily the best choice for us. Mm-hmm. So a mm-hmm. lot of that type of thing. And it was just because of my, my own issues with like depression and anxiety. And, mm-hmm. and I felt like I didn't have any more room <laughs> on my plate right. to think about anything else, but just making sure they had something to eat kind of right. attitude. So, right. yeah. So during our first conversation, when you recorded episode 95, you talked a little bit about your depression and and how that impacted you and how you had been challenging with struggling with this particular thing for years now. Um, How does your depression manifest during your vegan journey? Like when is the first time that he pokes and rears his uh, head in those in this past eight years? Oh, man. So I've been struggling with depression since my teenage years. And the thing is, I didn't, re- I wasn't diagnosed until I was about 20, 21, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I was depressed as a teenager. So to kind of just go back, I guess, for a little bit of history, but I used to, I know this sounds, it makes absolutely no sense, but it is what it is. So you know how like a lot of times teenagers skip school because they want to go hang out and do things. I used to skip school to take naps. Mm. And I just didn't have any in- energy and I would always be down. And I always felt like I was really flaky. One day or one week, I'm feeling really good. And then the next week I feel really down and I didn't understand why. I just thought it was just a part of my personality. This is like who I am. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that people who didn't really know me very well would always seem offended by me. And I was like, why? I mean, oh my God, I'm so nice. Like, why don't people like me? And then <laughs> as I got older, I realized it's because I was, I came across very flaky. So I would be very talkative and having a good time. And then like two weeks later, it's like, I don't even know who you are. Mm. And because I'm in my lows. And so so very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Okay. Yeah. And it's something that I struggle with still. It's something that I'm still struggling with. And yeah, I went to therapy. I've been, to, I went to therapy when I was about 20 years old uh, and I was diagnosed with depression at that time. And um, similar to your, I think we, I don't know if we talked about this during your episode, was it during your episode or in a pre, like a previous conversation we had off of recording, but the thing that I didn't like about this situation is that she was trying to prescribe me medication. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I just want to know how do I manage this in my daily life without taking medication? Like, how do I make Mm -hmm. this work? Because I didn't like the idea of just, you know, taking a pill. To me, that wasn't a resolution. I was just like, you was putting a bandaid on this. Can we like dive into what's going on so I can be healed from it? Right. And so, um, 
it made me resent therapy for a very long time. And it wasn't until um, the end of 2017 when I actually was able to accept therapy again. And that was really, yeah. Um, I went a very, very long time without even like considering it as a possibility because I was mm-hmm. so turned off by the fact that all they felt like they wanted to do was give me medication. Mm-hmm. And, and so, what were you doing during that time? Um, you know, Nori, just feeling like shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just sucking that life. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. But yeah. <laughs> but we have to be able to find humor in these things because if not, I, I we're gonna we're gonna cry our ways through it. So I always say I laugh so that I don't cry. Right. But I laugh I understanding like that. <laughs> This is it's better to laugh at it because when I laugh at it, I can see it from a perspective of it's not the worst thing in the world because I'm laughing. So I know I'm going to be good, but but I really wish I wasn't. Have to, I'd have to deal with this in the first place. <laughs> right. That's exactly how I look at it. But sometimes I think that because I laugh so much and I notice I do that when I'm uncomfortable, that I feel like it takes away from the message. That's why. That's why. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's interesting that you mentioned that because I think it's just how we perceive our actions and what our actions mean. We perceive laughter as being this kind of like chill thing that takes away the seriousness. So we almost assume that if we're not serious, our message doesn't have the same weight or it doesn't resonate in the same way. Mm, so in true. reality, right. it does. The message doesn't change. It actually resonates better because then people can relate to it from a perspective of, Oh my God, that was like, that was real shit right there. Yeah, yeah, yes. So uh, you weren't doing anything. You were just living your life, letting life happen yeah. to you. You weren't going to therapy. You didn't feel like this was the space for you. And you weren't doing anything at the same time to help yourself navigate. Well, you were doing some things. You were keeping yourself distracted. Yes. So that you didn't have to deal with these emotions. How was that impacting your role as a mother and as a wife? Oh man, Nori. Like, it was terrible during that time. And I feel like it's, I'm still recovering and my children and my husband are still recovering from all of that, unfortunately. And when I say that it was terrible, it was because I I just wasn't available. Mm. You know, I would just get in my bed and that would be the end of that, you know, and get them some food. And then I would be back on track and then I would be back down again. And I was, it was just very, very inconsistent Mm -hmm. for my family life. And uh, I would be like, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to, this is going to be good. It's going to be a good month. And then midway through, it would just be back, Mm -hmm. back down, you know, which is a manifestation of you not being available for you either. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So during this time, there were all these things that were built in, all these emotions and and actions that you were taking and not taking with your family. Were there any long-term impacts of your decision not to take action? Um, It definitely fractured my marriage to the point where I don't think that we can come back from it. Mm. Um, And it's interesting because when we first, excuse me, when we first separated, I was like, oh, maybe we'll work it out. And now I'm like, "Mm, it's okay that we don't work it out because he probably deserves someone that's more, a little more stable than I am. Mm. And um, I actually like the idea of being alone to try to figure out what the next step will be yeah. um, in my life. And we've been together since, I, like, <laughs> I'm a Libra at heart, so I've always had a man, girl. So um, <laughs> I've never been single. <laughs> Libra, that's what we do. We don't, we stay in relationships, okay? So um, I feel like there might be some truth to that. 
I'm a Libra too, so I feel like there might be some truth to that. No, I didn't know that you were a Libra. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When is your birthday? Uh, September 29th. Oh my God, I'm September 27. And you know, Chelsea's also a Libra too. I know she is. Yes, she is. (laughs) We talked about this. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. But I feel like we're always in relationships. (laughs) So we do. I I think there's some truth to that. I think just, you just said that right now. I kind of did a quick rolling of my history. And like, I feel like I was always, even if I wasn't in a relationship, I was always dealing with somebody. Yep, absolutely. We do. And so this is the first time in my entire life, <laughs> which is like crazy, girl, because I'm 37. First time in my mm-hmm. whole life that I've been single. Now, technically, I'm still married. I'm legally married, right? But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, we don't yeah. live together. Yeah, this is the first time. And it it feels amazing. Really? Now, granted, it wasn't always like this, you know? It <laughs> <laughs> was a lot of a lot of nights of drinking wine to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> a lot of binge eating. But I just like the alone time because I feel like mm-hmm. I the I think even though I hate the way that things have been as far as me being a mother and wife, I also resent the fact that I didn't spend time figuring out who I am and how I want to show up in the world and what the hell I want. Like Mm. I've never, ever had that conversation because I've always been someone's wife and someone's mother. Yeah. So I've never, and, and I think the reason I was drinking so much, I mean, it was ridiculous how much I was drinking because I was upset um, about that. And I didn't want to think about why my life was so fucked up. Like, I didn't want to think about that because it felt like a a ton of bricks, like literally hit me at the same time. And it wasn't at the same time. Like you, we talked about before, like it it was over time and it's just like, just finally hit the fan. But, and that makes sense, you know, as your listeners are listening to this conversation, like, and and if you're feeling like Monique felt during that time, if you're feeling like, I don't want to think about how fucked up my life is, like that makes perfect sense. Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to make a conscious decision to be like, I'm going to analyze how fucked up my life is and take accountability for the fact that I've done all of these things to get me to this point and accept the weight of that burden. Why would we do that? Brutal. Oh my goodness. And I feel like I'm just starting to look at that and it hurts. Oh my gosh. It's so brutal. And I'm just like, oh oh my gosh, I wish I could do this again. Especially if you're looking at it like that too. If that that is the perspective that you're using to look at the situation, then then of course you wouldn't do that. That would be like a terrible thing to do. Yeah, but I just don't really know how to turn it around. Right. Um, and, and, and it's like, even though Eric and I are not together physically, like, I mean, we get along very well. Um, well, I, I don't, when I say get along well, meaning we, we, it's not like this. Yeah. Cordial. Yeah. Like, oh, we went, we went shopping the other night. Like we, <laughs> we get along well. Mm-hmm. My kids, it's all about, I'm going to always get along with him because I mean, we have a family and everything like that. We'll always be connected because of that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, what happens, I'm going to always make sure that things are healthy for me and my, you know, for him and my children. So, I mean, healthy meaning we get along because I know some people who are, who parents have been divorced for 30 years and they still can't be in the same room. That, well, that's right. toxic. Listen, like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> so I will never, never do that. So mm-hmm. um, when I say we get along is we talk on the phone, we're cordial, everything's good as, as far as that goes. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like I, 
I know that this might be a harsh word, but I feel like I destroyed destroyed my marriage, destroyed my relationship with my children, destroyed who I can be and like the potential of who I can be. And I'm just so, so upset at myself for that. Mm-hmm. And um, just like talking about it out loud, just yikes. Yeah. So just figuring mm-hmm. out how to, uh, I guess, recover from that and, mm-hmm. and be okay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Forgiving, just for, forgiving myself for that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just whatever that looks like. Because I'm not really sure yet. And it's crazy because the first step was like, okay, you can't keep drinking. (laughs) That's the first Mm -hmm. step. Like, I know it's going to sound kind of silly. Well, now it actually is not because I was literally drunk all last year. But um, it's going to sound like a a silly goal a little bit, but maybe. But the only goal I had for 2019 going into it is like, I'm not going to drink at home. (laughs) I'm not going to sit in my, my feelings at home and just drink and not dealing with what's going on. You know, I'm not going to do that. So um, having this conversation is a way for me to liberate that and, and let people know what's like really going on. And it's sometimes people think that it's all, it's all good. And it's like, oh, it's not really that good over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to figure it out life. just like everybody else. <laughs> people be like, oh my God, I want her life. Like, oh my God, your goals. And meanwhile, you're like, you have no idea what goals <gasps> you think you want. Right. Girl, you don't want this. You don't want this bag. You don't want the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want this, this truckload of, of baggage just going on over here. So, you know, Monique, as you're sharing your story and as you are opening up with this level of vulnerability, like the type of, of honesty that it requires for you to say these things out loud and to share them with your audience. Because by the time we are, we say these things, we've been thinking these things for at least six months. So, and that's when we get the courage to, to say it out loud and to hear those words and to let that sink in within our spirit. That is part of the healing process. Like that in and of itself, it's, it's that permission that we give to ourselves to say, I can push through this. Yes, I've made some decisions in the past but I can change them. Mm. And it begins right there. It begins with, with acknowledging that we have done some things and we're not proud of them, but we can change those things with the time we have left. Yes. And that is my goal. I want to change that. I want to, you know, strengthen my relationships because I feel like it's not even just my immediate family. You know, I've, over the years, I haven't been very distant from my whole family. Like, I feel like my mother and I were just getting back on track after Mm. so many years of not. um, And it wasn't that we weren't talking and seeing each other, but it was so surface. Like my mom, like had no idea what was really going on with me. The thing that really helped me have like some really hard conversations with her is me going to therapy again, like when I started that journey again, because my therapist was not trying to push pills on me. She was like, okay, let's dive into what's really going on here. And we're Mm going to do this work. (laughs) You're here. We're going to do this work. It was that type of attitude. And so because of that, um, I don't have as much shame about Mm. my situation. Like there's definitely a level of shame still there, but it's nowhere near the shame that I used to have about my life and about Mm -hmm. the decisions that I've made because it used to be 
so shameful that I couldn't even imagine anybody ever bringing it up. Like I would never talk about it. Mm-hmm. And now there's like, like you said, there's definitely more vulnerability there. Like it's, it's been brewing for more than six months. So mm-hmm. that's why I've been able to have this conversation, but yeah, it's, oh. <laughs> what, what, what is the shame for? Like, what do you feel the shame is for? Um, I feel like I've, one of the things that I have talked a lot about in therapy is shame because I'm always embarrassed or shameful about something. And I think it comes from uh, maybe this, the shame of sexual abuse. Like I was sexually abused when I was about five years old mm-hmm. and it went on for about probably seven or eight months. So it was like, a, a I, that's a long time for me. And uh, I think that the shame, like the shame of that has always like carried through, even though, I, even as a kid, I went to therapy for that. Once I told my parents about it, shout out to my parents, man. Cause I was like so proactive in the nineties to put your kid to shout therapy. out like, to your parents. Indeed. And now that I'm older, I realize that they pay, they paid out of pocket for that too. It wasn't even covered on insurance. I'm like, oh, shout out to you, mom and dad. I love y'all. Like, so I went to therapy for that, but of course the, the shame factor was, it was handled so differently because I was only about 10 years old. So mm-hmm. it was handled differently, but I think that it has manifested in other parts of my life. Like I never, ever feel like I'm good enough that I'm just deserving enough that I'm, that it's okay. If things are perfect, I don't do anything kind of thing. I'm always just never feel like. Um, so I think m- maybe it came from there um, just based on some of the work that I've done in therapy because that's the first memory of shame that I have. Um, and then now as a, a mother in my late 30s, I think that it's more so um, because I feel like I should be further along in my life. Like I've set myself up in a way to, I should be doing better financially. I should be showing up for my friends and my family better than I do. I should be showing up for myself more than I do. I'm like, damn girl, you're almost in your 40s. Like you still haven't figured this shit out. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So it's like shame of that. <laughs> shame of not um yeah yeah just shame of all of that just right yeah let me ask you this who do you know that has to figure it out <laughs> uh, good question and probably nobody <laughs> <laughs> like it's funny because my whole life I always thought that my parents had to figure it out and uh so like this last year I've been having some real grown conversations with my mom mm-hmm. and I'm like, girl, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. still figure it out too, but it just looks like they do. It really looks mm-hmm. like they have it figured out. And it's like, I'm always so embarrassed. Like, gosh, money, why don't you, why can't you get it together? Why can't you consistently show up? Why can't you have the type of money in life that you, that you want? Why can't you be emotionally available for the people who deserve it from you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, why mm-hmm. can't you be there for yourself? Mm-hmm. So. Have you defined these things for yourself, Monique? Have you defined what it looks like to be there for yourself? Have you defined what it looks like to show up for yourself? Have you defined what it looks like to have this life that you want for yourself? Have you defined those things for yourself? Huh, that's a really good question. Um, very surface. Like I've written about it in my journal. 
Yeah, it's surface. It has. It's not deep enough. It's very surface. Yeah. So I would say the answer is no. Yeah. And I think as as your listeners are listening to this conversation too, um, before we got started, I ask you, how did you want them to feel as they were listening to our dialogue? And and the word that you used was liberated. You want them to also have the sense of freedom to know that they are not alone yes. in their pain. And I think this is a pain that people can relate to a lot because so many of us have this um, ideas of what we want and this ideas of what fulfillment looks like for us, this ideas of where we're supposed to be and what we should be, where we should be at and what we should have by now. And they are all rooted in things that other people had dreamt for themselves. These are not our own dreams. These are not our own wishes for ourselves, our own desires for ourselves. These are desires of other people projected onto us. And then we are not succeeding at it because they're not our own. So we cannot drive ourselves through that journey because they are not our dreams in the first place. Yes. You talked about that in your episode too that we did together. Yes. That that is so true. It's so true because there's like like a lack of clarity about like what this looks like for me. Absolutely. But you're right. And and this that saying, I think it's called a dream without a plan. It's just a wish or something like that. Uh And we, we, we look at these quotes on Pinterest or Instagram or whomever is posting them on Facebook. And then you see them and you're like, yep, love it. Hashtag, you know, make it happen. But we don't really, we rarely stop to think about what that means. What is the plan? Where do I start crafting that plan? How do I utilize this plan on a daily basis to guide my steps so that my dream can become a reality? Mm-hmm. Because there is a dream that you are giving life to. You're just not the person at the front of that dream. Yeah. You're not the person that's, guide, that's leading it and leading it intentionally. You're just a part of it. Mm. Because you're talking about where you are right now. And I think a lot of women can relate to this feeling of, I'm not where I thought I was supposed to be. I'm not where I thought what I was told I would be if I did one, two, three, and four. Preach, yes. I checked all the boxes and somehow I'm I'm still still not. Yes. Yes. I still don't love where I am. And I'm looking around and it's like, where, where the hell is it? Who has it? Come give it to me, whoever has it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And how do I turn these things around so that I can get there Mm -hmm. and I can return home? And home is you. We are home. And that's the part that people don't tell us is that we are the home. You realizing that the reason why you are where you are is because you lack this relationship with yourself. And now understanding that maybe I need to be alone so that I can return home. Yes. Yes, that's how I see it. And that's the same thing we run away from, loneliness. Mm. You don't want to be alone because it sucks because then we have to think about it. But when you face it, you can see that the monster is not really that scary or that big. It's, you know, one of the things I, I, I want us to touch on is um, a lot of times I get you know, emails and DMs and just comments overall from people. And they're saying, oh, I wish you would, you know, do more YouTube videos. I wish you did the podcast more. I wish you would blog more. I wish you would do this or that. And a lot of the reason why I didn't show up the way I wanted to is because I felt like such a fraud. Mm. I was battling with my own issues as far as, you know, marital issues and just you know, raising my children and not being available for myself and the way that I was eating didn't Mm -hmm. align with the type of work that I do. So 
just let's get into that. Yeah. Let's get into that. Oh God. What? So how were you eating? Were you still vegan? I wasn't. I would make vegan meals. I would still get some of my favorites, you know, staple meals and all of those things that I would always make. But I was also not eating vegan. I was eating seafood. I was eating Mm -hmm. dairy. I just had like given up on a lot of it. I just was so, I just felt so defeated. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, I didn't want to just keep showing up. And I was struggling. Like, I felt like, who am I to tell somebody (laughs) how to get their shit together? Mine is like, in, yeah. a, in a trash can. It's like, how am I going to be that inspiration for anybody else? And it wasn't, you know, every single day type of thing, but I definitely um, had some issues with food. <sighs> yeah, I did. I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't who I wanted to be for sure mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Where are you now? Um, I'm still struggling to get back on track. I'm a hell of a lot better than I was, but I'm still, I'm still struggling to get back on track completely. Mm-hmm. I'm not drinking, which is like a huge plus because my rule is I can only drink socially. I can't like sit at home and drink. Mm-hmm. So that's huge to me in itself because like I said, I spent like all last year, like I was, I had to have my bottle and it's so, it was so bad that in January when I was like decluttering, I was finding bottles like hidden throughout different parts of my room and my, mm-hmm. in my bathroom and just different bottles that I was like mm-hmm. discarding because I'm like, dang, you were really, you was really in a low place girl. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to share that as far as my, my issues with food is because it's so easy for people to feel like, okay, I just have to eat better and that's going to be good. But <laughs> I went a long time and I was eating better and it still mm-hmm. didn't make a difference because there was some deeper issues. And I just think it's more important to to dive into those deeper issues before you feel like you have to do everything, I guess, perfectly as a vegan. I mean, I don't think there's anything, you know, in my journey, I don't really think there's anything, you know, such thing as being perfect in this lifestyle it, overall anyway. However, it's kind of hard to take on this challenge when you have so many other things going on in your life that are just not where you want it to be. So um, something that happened to me last year that just made me say, oh, my gosh, I really have to get it together. I ordered some food. I had been in the bed and I had been in the bed for probably like most of the day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. most of the day. And I ordered some food and my husband could have gotten the food for me, but cause he was actually out already out in the living room, but I didn't, I just said, Oh, I'll just go get it. Cause I you know how they have like the app and it'll tell you that the person mm-hmm. has arrived with the food or whatever. And I went out to go get the food and the guy comes to the door and he was like, Oh my God. And I was like, what, Who, what's going on? Right. I was so confused. He was like, Oh my God, I love your YouTube channel so much. <laughs> and I was like, uh, hello. <laughs> like, mind you, Nori. Let me tell you what was in that bag that he was giving me. It was a shrimp quesadilla, and it was not vegan. Mm. And he said, "Oh my God, I love your YouTube channel. Me and my me and my girlfriend, we listen to your podcast. We love you so much. I can't believe that I'm making a delivery to your house." And I was like, what? "Did you tell him the food was for you?" Oh my God, hell no. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> hell no. I don't even know if he knew it was in order, but I was just like. 
my husband was wow. in the background and actually it was on like a Saturday. So my, my uh, kids were home too, but only my uh, youngest son was out in the living room with my husband. And, and I'm so glad that someone else heard this exchange because nobody would have probably ever <laughs> believed this happened. And he's just like, oh my God, I love him. So, you know, enjoy your food. Oh my gosh, I hope you have a good day. And I was like, oh my God, Monique, you really have to get it together because it's not even about you anymore. This is like other people are, are, are like looking to you for this. And I, it was, I had mixed feelings because it was like, I don't want you, I don't want to be that person to you. Mm-hmm. No, that's like that expectation is scary. You know, I don't want to yeah. be that person to you. And then the, the second thing was, the second feeling was, oh, I am definitely not eating this. Like I, I didn't even eat it. I couldn't even eat it because I was like, oh gosh, mm. you really have to get it together. And then you get that shame, more of that shame coming. More of that way. shame, more of that shame. Yes, I I can't even believe I'm sharing this right now because I, I, I this was gonna go to the grave, Nori. <laughs> go to the grave. But I, I think it's so important that you do share this, Monique. I think it's so important that that this is the part that we show because when we are on social media or any other outlet, people see the curated part of us and they think that that's all of us. And there's so much more to who we are, to what we go through, to how we overcome our daily struggles, to how we get stuck and how we try to become unstuck in our success and our failure. There's so much more to that part. And that part is the really interesting part because that's the part that we actually all have in common. We have these aspirations or believed aspirations. We have this believed dream that we think holds us together. But what really holds us together is how we're not achieving that. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing in our lives to try to get closer and closer to the answer, whatever that answer might be for us. And I think that is in, in conversations like this, where we can just be really honest, like people just aren't honest with themselves or with others. Mm-hmm. So any space where we can just be honest and say, okay, guys, I know, the, I know what the name of the podcast is. Mm-hmm. This is where I am right now. Yes. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's because either you have been there Although you might know somebody that is there or you're there right now. And I want you to know that I am not disconnected from where you are. I'm exactly also where you are in a different level at a different stage, but I'm still there because there's no arriving. It's all in the journey, right? And I think people get this idea that they're supposed to arrive. Yes. They're going to arrive a perfect veganism, perfect wife, perfect children, perfect love in myself. And once we arrive, we're like, yes, we made it. We got it. But that moment rarely shows up. And then it's fleeting when it does show up. That's why this, I think this conversation is so important. Because when I say that I've struggled with my veganism, it's not saying that I don't, everything I eat isn't vegan. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying, though, is that when I'm really down, I really don't care about food. I just eat whatever's available yeah. when I'm really down. And, uh, I don't like that. And I think what magnifies the shame is, like you said, having the platform magnifies that. Mm-hmm. Girl, how you call yourself brown vegan and you ain't even... <laughs> you know, eating, eating shrimp quesadilla. Right. I'm sure you had cheese on it. It was a, it was a cheese quesadilla. <laughs> And then I had, girl, I had the nerve to put on a note on there saying, don't put any sour cream. Girl, shut up. <laughs> 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 chicken on I mean, not chicken, because I don't even like chicken, but you got cheese and shrimp on here telling somebody, oh putting God. a note on there, please, please no sour cream. 
<laughs> but you know, one thing I would say is that you mentioned, how can I worry about food when I'm so down? Yes. And, and some people might be feeling like that. And I want people to understand like, that's actually um, part of human nature. Like, so um, I don't know if people have heard of like Marlowe's hierarchy of needs. Yes. Where yeah. there's like shelter and food and safety and those other things. So depending on how, what's at the top, that takes precedence of what isn't yeah. at the top, right? So if you are physically not feeling well, if you're, if you're not safe within yourself, then that's going to take precedence over you eating. So it's the same concept with other things in our lives. It's like when people say, you know, I'm dealing with so and so and he don't want to be with me. Like, I don't understand what the problem is. Well, his need for a girlfriend, it's much lower than his need for whatever it is that's above you, his hierarchy of needs. So I think that when we get into this funks, when we get caught up in these pieces, it can be hard for us to avoid and to ignore the reality, right? The reality is that you have needs. And if those needs are, those needs are in a certain order and they're going to be treated in that specific order. So even when you don't want to worry about some things, you will worry about them because that's how your needs are structured. And we cannot, we cannot ignore that. And it gets easy to ignore because we just see what's in front of us, which is something of uh, the effect of being stuck or being depressed for some people or having that anxiety. You get caught up into what's directly in front of you. So you don't see that, oh, there is a bigger picture. You get caught up in the details. So it's important that we, we are mindful of the bigger picture and look at where is this detail falling and do I need to worry about it? Does it make sense in the big grand scheme of things? Yeah. And that can be really hard. And it, yeah, it is. Wow, we've talked about so much. And I really feel like you might need a part two of this to be fully transparent with you. <laughs> no, but, I really don't. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we want we want unless your listeners want to. Um, but I want us to get to now, you're here. It's 2019. You've been on this journey for eight years. You've been in your 37 years of life. You've struggled with depression. You struggle with this feeling of being stuck. You struggle with finding yourself and having this sense of wholeness. And now here we are. What do you want for Monique? What are your deepest deepest desires for Monique? Yeah, that's, I feel like I wouldn't even be able to completely answer that in this moment. But off the top, I definitely want to be okay with who I am in my own skin mm-hmm. and not be so ashamed of my, my previous decisions and some of the decisions that I continue to make. And instead, work on what that solution is going to be so that I can move past that. I want to strengthen the relationships with my immediate and extended family. And uh, I really want to grow this brand and make an impact because the people that I want to talk to with my podcast are people who are vegan curious or new vegans or people who are kind of like, you know, in the first year of their journeys. And I want to be able to give them the real on what this looks like mm-hmm. in a way that feels good to them and in a way that it will keep them going. And I just definitely want to do more conversations like this, like more wellness, more mental health, more honesty, honesty. Yes, 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 yes. Just not saying that I feel like I've been like completely dishonest because I do feel the way I do about. Um, being an ethical vegan. And I know it sounds like some, to somebody who's a vegan that's listening, they're probably like, girl, what? <laughs> but it's true. I really do believe that this is important. But 
I just know that from my own experience that sometimes the reason why we can't get it together is because like you said, we just, the basics haven't been met yet. Mm-hmm. The base. So how can we ever get to where we want to be in our journeys if we don't do the basics? So mm-hmm. just being open and honest about that off the top is the, the first thing you know, that came to mind, but I'm sure there's so much more um, that I need to reflect on and write on. Yeah. Right about. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. What do you suggest? <laughs> Seriously, because I really don't know. I just feel like a whole bunch just floating around in my head. I'm like, where do I even begin with it? Um, well, I, I think that from the work I do with my clients and from the work I've done with myself, because I think about myself as my first client, I think the first place, I think you already started, to be honest. Oh, that's I good to know, so. Lorraine. That's good to know. Because <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, but okay. I know. I know it doesn't feel like it, but I definitely think you've already started. I think that most of us struggle because we have no clear idea of where we want to go and are afraid to accept where we are. So we have no way to devise the plan to get there. So I think you already started because you are being more available to surrendering to where you are right now and accepting where you are right now. And people think that when we accept where we are and when we surrender to where we are, we get a pass or something, or we get to just dismiss it. But the power of surrendering to where we are and accepting where we are is that now we know where we are. And now we can identify what we need to do to get to where we want to go. Yes. You're, you're, you're still in therapy right now, correct? Not at the second. No, it's so expensive. And it sucks because I pay out of pocket for it because my insurance doesn't cover the lady that I want to go to. Mm-hmm. She's so good. But um, I did. I'm, I am looking into other options. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it will not be with the person that I'm with, what I was with before. She was so good. I felt like she was mm-hmm. good. I felt like I was getting... Yeah, I was having a lot of hard conversations. Like, I, Nori, every single week I was crying. And I was like, this lady going to put me right up out of here. <laughs> Why do you have to cry every week? <laughs> because you're healing and you're releasing. It feels good after you have a good cry. Yeah. So. You'd be like, oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, listen, okay. I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just feel like she's just she's just out of my price range right now. Like I'm going to even if I can go to her, I don't really feel like it would be effective going once a month. I mm-hmm. feel like I need to go at least every other week to someone. Mm-hmm. So I may have to. Well, I will have to um, get someone else. Ugh, I didn't want to have to start all over again. Well, you she can knew- always consider coming and joining the Get Unstuck Tribe with me. Get Unstuck Tribe. Okay, tell us. Well, we can. Talk, we can. I mean. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was gonna talk about it here. I know some of my previous podcasts have um people who yes. wanted to work with you and they're working with you. So yes, like, yes, yes. Major shout outs to y'all, Brown Vegan family. Like, y'all have really been supportive of me in that last episode I did with Monique, and y'all have been joining my mailing list, which I'm so grateful for. And some of you have even become clients of mine. You know who you are. Shout out to you. <laughs> Um, so I'm just really, really grateful for that and for that trust. And 
the program I have is called the Get Unstuck Coaching Program. And it is a six week long program where I teach you how to get unstuck. So if you're feeling stuck right now in your life and you need someone to help you through that process and guide you through that process, it's a place where you can do that. And um, it's, it's a program that's the result of, I would say, it's the result of 10 years of my experience working with other people when it comes to wellness, but of the past two years of my internal journey to myself. My journey back home is kind of how I could call it, where I began to unpeel those layers of myself. And these conversations that Monique and I are having right now, these are the conversations I have with myself pretty much every single day for the past two years. And I learned a lot and I discovered a lot. And I talked a little bit about what depression was for me and, and how I went through that journey in episode 95 of this podcast. But this program is is the way to help give people those answers. And on IamHealthyFit.com, you can listen to some of the reviews from my clients. I think they are the ones that can better speak to the success of the work that I do. But um, it's been liberating for me because I've learned to look at my life and look at the imperfections of my life and pull power from that and help give other people that power from their own imperfections. And so many of us are seeking perfection, but it is in our imperfections that we found, we find who we really are. That's where home is. Mm. And that's what that program is about. And, and if you want to know more about that, hit me up, Nori at, uh, Nori at IamHealthyFit.com or Instagram at Nori Ponsel. And, and I'd love to like schedule some time to talk to you more about it. It's really about meeting the needs of the people that come and join me. So it's not just here are my toolkits, here are all the tools and resources that I've used to succeed. But in to, to, and by success, I mean to return back to me, to return to my truth and to listen to my intuition and to know what that means. But there are tools that you can learn how to use for yourself. Because the way they work for me, they might be a little bit they need to be a little bit adjusted so they can work for you. And, and that's what makes me different from anyone Yeah, else. it's like customized. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to you more about that when we start recording because, yes, <laughs> it's exactly what I need. You've helped me so much, guys. Like, I have to tell the listeners, too, like, Nori has helped me so much. Um, and that's why I felt so comfortable having her as somebody who can kind of, like, facilitate this conversation for me because, if it were up to me, I don't even, like I said, I wasn't even sure where to start with this. And I would probably have talked myself out of actually doing this. And so Nori has a way to make me feel so comfortable. And I know that you'll have the same results with her when you work together. So I yeah. appreciate you so much for everything. I really do. I appreciate you because what you're doing right now is, is very courageous and I can feel people's energy even when they are on the phone. I know people are be like, okay, girl, but I really can't. <laughs> you can put it to test if you call me. Um, and I just feel that your energy is so much lighter. I feel like Good. You, you're smiling, but from the inside and not like, not like a smile from, not a smile that's hiding the pain, 
Mm-hmm. Let us smile from the joy of releasing the pain. Yes, it feels amazing. Like I haven't even had a, ch- a chance to really process this conversation yet. And just off the surface, I'm just like, oh, finally, I can talk about all of this. And mm-hmm. and I feel it was in a very safe space. So oh, I appreciate you. Thank you so, so much for coming on and uh, helping me as far as guiding this conversation and just, you know, continue to share your expertise because I felt like you dropped a lot of gems, a lot of nuggets <laughs> in, in between. <laughs> so I know it's going to help other people as well. And um, y'all go work with Nori, go work with her. <laughs> and I'm going to find out about your tribe too. The un- you said Unstuck Tribe, right? Yeah, yeah, it's called the Get Unstuck Coaching Program. But I call my members the Get Unstuck Tribe. <laughs> they love, love it. it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. I have one final question for you. Okay. As we end this conversation, do you feel liberated? I do. It's about helping the people who are in the same space that I am with their journey. We're kind of like bouncing back and forth and also to help people who are trying to just show up better in the world. It wasn't in vain. Like, I I can't even believe I talked about the case of Dia situation because I really... (laughs) <laughs> I really thought that was going to the grave. <laughs> but, Hashtag shrimp quesadilla. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> it's funny, Monique. It's yeah. funny because it's true. And it's funny because it has happened to all of us in one shape or another. Mm-hmm. We have all had our shrimp quesadilla. Whether it is when we say we're not drinking and somebody says, well, just one drink. And next thing you know, you had a bottle. Whether it is when you say you're not going to talk to that ex no more because they're toxic for you. And next thing you know, you spent the night. Mm-hmm. Whether it is uh, you arguing with a girlfriend and being like, I'm done talking to this girl, lending her money. And next thing you know, you've cashed out with $100. Yeah. We have all had our own shape or form of shrimp quesadillas. I think that that's, that's so important that you're sharing that. Yeah, I'm so happy you did share that. Me too. Now that it's, set, now that it's all said and done, I am too. Thank you. Um, this has been episode 100 of the show, Yay. and I'm so thankful that Nori was on to help facilitate this conversation. You're very welcome. What message would you give to to the Monique that's listening? It's going to be okay. Just, and, and just do the work, not think about doing the work, not telling anybody that you're doing the work. It's okay to be quiet and just do it. It's okay that you're not where you want to be. If you continue to strive every day, you will be. And it is definitely time to get clear on what it is you want and how you want to impact other people's lives. Like it's time to really figure that out. And so that's the message I have for the Monique that's listening. I love it. I think that's no better way to end it than that. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.